Welcome to the Paidia Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Bernie Wilkinson. I'm Dr. Richard Marshall. And Richard, we are almost at summertime. Oh, that's the right. Summer, summer is right around the corner. Today's May 20th. When I wrote the date this morning, um, I thought May 20th, so we're a few days left in May. Uh, yeah. Which means we're fast approaching the end of another school year. Yes. It's, it's almost here. It's right around the corner. I mean, kids are coming in, it's patients are coming weeks. in, and they're in their... They had the number of days counted down. Right. Now it's a matter of counting days. That's right. Um, and some schools, some of the private schools are letting out even earlier. Right. So they have literally days to go right? yeah. next week, week after. Yeah. So, so yes, we're, we're uh, slouching towards summer. Mm-hmm. Yes. So today, you know, I, I really like our plan for today because we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a turn and, and, and talk about education today from a different perspective. We've been talking about school reform. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about those kinds of things uh, for the past uh, 21 episodes or so. <laughs> but today, we're going to shift a little bit. And when we talk about those things, we agreed several weeks ago that we didn't want to be curmudgeons. Remember right. that talk? We yeah. said, we don't want to just complain. We don't want to just criticize. Um, but we want to provide our listeners with constructive, helpful approaches that they can use with their children um, as they uh, as they wind down one school year and hopefully use the summer to prepare for the next school year. And right. that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. What can we do to help our kids in this educational venture? Right. So today's uh, podcast is uh, episode 22. Right. What did you do this summer? Why do we name it that? Oh, because, you know, when you get back at, at the new school year, frequently teachers will um, do these warm-up exercises, these yeah. icebreaker exercises with their classes and say, well, what did you guys do this summer? Who went someplace interesting and what vacations did you take and what did you do? What did you learn? Right. What new experiences have you had? Frequently, use, uh, teachers will use that question as a prompt for our writing activities. They'll say, well, right. just write a short paper about what you did this summer. Right. So we tend to think of summer as um, uh, as a way to relax. I know that teenagers can't wait for summer to come because they're fine. I have a couple months off or, or 12, 10 or 12 weeks off and I don't have to do anything. Right. Uh, you know, because they've been working hard and testing and, and uh, um, doing all the schoolwork. And then they say, well, I don't have to do anything in the summer. And yet, uh, but what we want listeners to do is to think of summer not just as a break from the previous school year, from the current school year, but also use these weeks in the summer to prepare for the next school year. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, we, we often think about, when we talk about preparing for the next school year, one of the things we typically talk about is our standard academics. Right. You know, That's reading right. and, and, and math, because, you know, the research is pretty solid. It's clear. You know, right. if, you, if you don't read over the summer, if a student mm-hmm. doesn't read over the summer, they're at risk for losing a, a half to a full grade right. level that's right. um, of, of reading skill. That's right. What happens, what happens over the summer months, and we, there's a term for it, the summer lag or something, or the summer advantage. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is that if children don't read over the summer, they lose a couple of months. Right. They, they, they regress by a couple of months. So you end up the school year in June 1st, let's say, and you're reading at a, a 5.5 grade level, let's right. say. Um, um, if you don't read over the summer, there is some regression. Right. So you start the school year, you know, a couple months 
behind instead of 5.5 maybe it's 5.2 and, and, and some kids are even more so is some kids as low as 4.8 or yeah, the, it's the pretty poor significant. reader the poor readers regress even more than the right. good readers okay right. but if you're a good but if you're reading over the summer you can actually gain months right and so let's say a child is a third grade reading at third grade level doesn't read over the summer comes back to school in august reading at a 2.5 grade level right okay Classmates, on the other hand, are reading at a three-point grade level, and they read over the summer, and they come back to 3.5. And right. so just those several weeks, those, those couple of months over the summer, can meet a, a difference of four or five months between readers and non-readers. And, and that literature is pretty clear. We, we want to keep our academic skills um, intact, right. um, at least warm, uh, moving, uh, over the summer. And so uh, parents are often encouraged to do some academic work over the summer. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's with reading. I mean, you know, math is, is math, just right. as significant because, mm -hmm. you know, math is one of those um, skills that you have to practice. I mean, right. you, you have to keep up with it to, to maintain those skills. And so lots of students will, will forget mm -hmm. how to do some of the things that they learned over, the, you know, over the course of the school year when they go, you know, two, two and a half months without doing anything. Well, you're a soccer coach. Right. During the season, your players become very proficient. Right. Um, at their positions. Right. Your son's a goalie, mm -hmm. right? Goalie? Yes. Goalie. How many days would he take off before you would notice a decline in his skills? Um, it, it doesn't take many. It doesn't take many for you to start seeing. Look, if he didn't play for a week, would you notice it? Well, he he got he was injured okay. um, during the uh, high school season, so mm -hmm. he was out for um, about a month and a half, mm -hmm. not really able to play at all. And you could tell you could tell a difference in his overall performance uh, physically. So um, in six weeks, right? You you could visit you could note you would visually you could see right. a difference in his skill level. Yeah, it's exactly what happens over the summer. Yeah, you know we're talking about ten or twelve weeks over the summer, so twice that long. Right. So just as you see a decline in somebody's physical skills over a six week period, kids who are in casts right for five or six weeks. Yeah. You know there's who's in a boot. The limb actually shrinks, starts to get right. smaller. Notice it's it's smaller. Right. Yeah. And so it's the same thing over the summer. So we know that we want to keep kids' academic skills alive over the summer. But today, we, and so we want to take that idea and expand on it just a little in today's podcast. Right, because while that is the, th those are the typical recommendations, mm -hmm. today we're going to kind of venture outside of that a little bit. That's right. Um, into an area that we, we talk about a lot on the, the mm -hmm. our Mental Breakdown podcast. Right. Um, and that, that has to do with... Um, habits, lifestyle habits. That's right, because um, what what we've we've promised ourselves with the with, with this practice and with these podcasts is that we want to um, give parents advice that they can use to help their children become better students or better athletes or become better at what they're doing. And so frequently parents will say, well, what should we do? They'll come into our office and they'll say, well, or even friends will ask us, you know, what's the best thing to do with my kids over the summer? What, right. what should I do with my kids? Should I put them in a tutoring sessions? Should I hire a tutor? Should I send them to, you know, what, what's the best thing I can do for my kids over the summer? And uh, that's what we want to talk about today. So when we begin with, what did you do this summer? That's what we want to talk about today. What, what's the best thing I can do with my kids uh, to help them in school for the next school year? Right. Okay. Right. And, and you know, as we're going to talk about it, the, the best, some of the best stuff that you can do is give them healthy habits. That's right. And, and, and we're going to talk about three general areas 
three general areas that um, that we have control over. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's that's an important piece because you know, you know if a student has dyslexia or if mm-hmm. a student has dyscalculia or if they they have a math disorder, right. you know, there's there's a limited um, effect that a parent can have. Outside of saying, do more practice, right. do more math, read more, and do those kinds of things. These lifestyle choices that we're going to talk about, the research consistently shows mm-hmm. that when you sleep well, mm-hmm. eat well, mm-hmm. and exercise, right. when you do those three things, those three things that we have com- mm-hmm. more or less mm-hmm. complete control over, right. when you do those three things well, Learning improves, memory improves, executive function improves, cognitive skills improve. Everything gets better. Right. That's right. And these are things that don't cost any money. You don't have to hire anybody. Right. You don't have to change. You don't have to move. You don't have to drive anywhere. These are things that absolutely every family can do for their children that will have positive effects, that have been shown, not that we think will help. These things have been shown to have positive effects on uh, children's learning um, and behavior yeah. in, in a school setting. So these are things that anybody can do, um, and you can do them all summer long, and uh, they will have positive results when your kids go back to school in the fall. Okay? Exactly. So, so, let's, right, so which one do we want to start with? Um, let's start with sleep. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I was, as I was preparing for this, I was reading, do you know that by the age of two, Children have spent more time sleeping than they have awake. I can believe that. I didn't know that. I can believe that. You know, that. because a newborn should sleep between 12, uh, 12 to 18 hours a day. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, out of the 24, 12 to 18 hours um, um, should be spent sleeping. Um, between ages 1 to 3, it, it's still 12 to 14 hours a day. So yeah. toddlers, uh, 12 to 14 hours. Preschoolers ages three to five should sleep between 11 and 13 hours. And um, school-age children ages five to 10 should sleep 10 to 11 hours a day. And even teenagers mm-hmm. need between nine and nine and a half hours of sleep, yeah. depending on who you read, but it's around nine hours a night. Right. I don't think that there's not many. a fraction of teenagers are getting that much sleep. No. Because the first problem is, is the teenagers typically aren't ready to go to sleep until about 11 o'clock. Right. Their, their circadian rhythm that's right. shifts. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, parents get very frustrated about that because teenagers suddenly want to, not, not even suddenly, teenagers have this urge to stay up late. Right. You know, right. They, they get this extra surge of energy mm-hmm. around 8 or 9 o'clock right. that pushes them through to want to stay up till 11 well, sometimes later. That's right. Um, That's right. And, you know, it, it's, it's, but it, it's a biological process. Right. right. And I think the biggest challenge for parents is going to be children in the teen years. Right. I, I think the biggest challenge that we have as parents, as far as sleep is concerned, is with our teenagers. And we have that for two reasons. One is because circadian rhythms change. And, and circadian rhythm, I think everybody knows what circadian rhythms are. They're, you know, when you go to sleep right. and when you wake up. And, um, and also the REM and non-REM sleep, those mm-hmm. cycles that you go through. And it takes about, um, most babies are, have established circadian rhythms by about six months of age. Okay? Um, and, and, and that changes. In, and by the time you're a teenager, uh, the circadian rhythms are about 90 minutes right. in duration. So... Children go in and out of REM sleep about every 90 minutes. 
Well, the problem with teenagers is that they're not ready to go to bed until about 11 o'clock, and for some it's later than that. That's if it hasn't been interfered, if, if sleep hasn't been interfered with right. with electronic devices. That's right. normal sleep patterns, okay? So we're, we're not even going to talk about cell phones and iPads and right. TVs. But they're not ready to go to bed until 11. But if you go, if your school starts at 7 o'clock in the morning... Yeah. And you have to get up at six. You're already down to seven hours a night. And and in fact, most teenagers sleep between seven and seven and a quarter hours a night. Right. Okay. That that's the average. Right. Which means a lot of teenagers are getting a lot less than seven right. hours. And so, um, for example, I have a uh, I have a family now that I'm seeing, and and uh, they have one of their children goes to one of the magnet schools in town, but they live about twelve miles or about twelve miles away from his school. Right. He has to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Right. In order to catch a bus at 5.30 that gets him in school before 7 o'clock. Okay. So this is a kid who, a teenager, he's probably 14 or 15, um, a teenager who has to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Well, to get nine hours of sleep, he'd have to go to bed at about 8. He'd have to go to right. sleep at about 8, which is three hours before his circadian, his, he has enough uh, melatonin to even begin to think about sleep. Right. Okay. So so he's losing three hours, at least three hours of sleep every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is a kid who's sleep deprived. Well, what does sleep deprivation do to you? Well, as everybody knows, if you're not sleeping well, you just don't feel very good the next day. You don't think clearly. Right. You don't feel good. You get a little anxious. You get a little antsy. You get a little bit, bit depressed. A lack of sleep affects almost everything about you. Right. It affects digestion. It affects your mental health. It affects your physical health. And these are so that we have children all over the country who are essentially sleep deprived, mm -hmm. probably for the entire academic year, every right. day of the academic year. Right. And, and you know, and, you know, being honest, it puts parents in a very challenging position because especially thinking about the high schoolers where school doesn't, and it blows my mind that, you know, Elementary school starts around eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. High school starts around seven o'clock. Right. But middle right. school starts at nine o'clock. Right. In our area, at okay. least. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. that's the way that it is everywhere. But mm -hmm. most middle schools start around eight forty-five, nine o'clock in the morning. So that is actually the schedule that the high schoolers should be on. That's right. And and the the younger students are the mm -hmm. ones that you know are typically able to get up earlier because they tend to go to bed earlier. Didn't isn't there a school in our area that yeah. they decided the high schoolers would start at nine? There's a couple of high schools now in our district that right. have that are shifting that. Moving it to nine. Yeah, there's both of the ones that I know of are actually right. charter schools. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, they have their um, they're right. starting out their school day at eight forty five nine o'clock in for the their morning. high schoolers. Yeah, for their right. high schoolers, right. which is I think a great shift. Right. I mean, it, it it introduces some other complications, mm -hmm. of course, because now, you know, high school, these students aren't getting to school until later, which means that parents are already at work and because uh, most True. parents have to be at work at 8 o'clock and oh, those that's kinds right. of then issues. They would be home. They'll be home early in the morning alone. Getting themselves out of bed right. and getting ready. And okay. so you have some other potential complications. But, right. but overall, I think, that the, I think that the plan is a good mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how it goes uh, this right. coming year, there's a new school starting it. Uh, the other school has already been doing it and has been finding success. So right. uh, it's very good. So. Well, so what we what we want to talk about sleep and summer. What we would uh, like for parents to consider is to use the summer to teach your children how to sleep. 
Yeah. Sounds odd. Sounds yeah. like, you know, teach your kids how to sleep. But we just wrote a book. We're going to talk about, you know, yeah. we just revised a book. And in that book, we talk about teach, don't punish. What, right. what we should be doing with our children is teaching, 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 teaching. And one of the things we have to do is we have to teach them how to sleep. Absolutely. Um, we take sleep for granted. Well, we, we, we typically, traditionally, we've taken sleep for granted. Big mistake. You don't take sleep for granted. Right. It's really, really, really important that we sleep well. And you have to learn how to sleep well. Yeah. Now, some families, because of their schedules, do that quite naturally. But in, in this electronic, worldwide, internet days... Um, we don't sleep well because mm-hmm. there are too many distractions. There are too right. many reasons to stay up. Television and internets and iPads and all that. So we have to work diligently to establish good sleep patterns. And the summertime is a it, actually it's the ideal time to do this yeah. because you don't have homework, you don't have extracurriculars, you're not cramming everything in to a school day. You have the time to teach your children how to sleep well. Now we're just about at the end of the school year. Give your kids a break. Let them stay up all night if they want for a few days. You know, let them, let them have their freedom, you know, right. that they don't have to go to school and they can sleep in and all that. But at some point in the summer, maybe the, by, by the middle of June, let's right. say, I think it's a good time, even if you want to wait until after the 4th of July, you know, to take right. July and August, take that five, six, seven week period to teach your children how to sleep, to get them on that regular schedule where they go to sleep at midnight and they sleep for that nine hour period if they're teenagers or if they're right. middle schoolers. Okay. Teach them how to do that. Teach them the value of it and teach them how to do that. Uh, avoid caffeine, get the electronics out of the bedroom, you know, so let them have their fun at the beginning of the summer, but then spend a few weeks, maybe five or six weeks. Yeah. It's probably going to take that long. Yeah. It's going to take that long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't do this a week before school starts. Right. You know? and, and that's what a lot of parents do is that, you know, you know, four or five days before the school year starts, they say, okay, let's get back on our schedule. Right. And right. it's not going to work that fast. Or you think your kids are going to get back on their schedule when school starts. You know? Right. But don't, don't deny them the opportunity to learn how to sleep this right. summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, they tend to uh, fight against this initially. Well, they're going to resist. They're going to yeah. resist. Mm-hmm. But you know, surprisingly, there are a number of uh, teenagers that I work with who, you know, when I talk to them about their sleep, they say they sleep well. And I say, well, what time do you go to sleep? Nine o'clock. <laughs> really? <laughs> and and they do. They they go to bed at nine right. o'clock and they get up at six, which is which is adequate sleep. Mm-hmm. It gives them about that nine hours that we were talking about. Right. And you know, and they are rested and they feel energized for the rest of the day, and they don't have any of those kinds right. of problems. It, it it can be done. There is some resistance, sure. and 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 it's good to be prepared for that resistance, right? Because it's going yeah. to be. Internet, videos, TV, all those kinds of things, but also friends. You know, right. if if they have friends that are not going to bed at ten or eleven o'clock, those friends are going to be up and wanting to chat and that's message right. with them. You know, that's right. and that's going to want make them want to stay up as well. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to build that into that sleep hygiene, that good sleep hygiene of you know, let's turn the phones off. You know, let your let your friends know that. At you know ten o'clock or whatever time, right. uh, electronics are being turned off mm-hmm. and, and set aside, and you're not available. That's right. Because what's the other thing that that parents complain about with teenagers is that they're emotionally very difficult. They're right. they're up. They have these ups and downs in emotion. Well, what is sleep? Why do we why do we talk about sleep? Well, number one, 
Sleep is going to help with learning. Right. You just think more clearly when you right. sleep well. Number two, it's going to it's going to level out those emotions. You right. know, so what, what's the the mo- one of the most important things parents can do for a teenager who's got a bad disposition is to teach that child to sleep better. Right. Okay, that's an that's an easy fix yeah. for a teenager who has emotional ups and downs because sleep helps to regulate your emotions. I was just going to say one of our treatment recommendations for emotional dysregulation. Is sleep. sleep. Right. You know, and and we know sleep. that kids who have ADHD and who have explosive outbursts and who have bipolar disorder don't sleep well. Right. Okay. So what do we do? Teach them how to sleep better. Okay. Yeah. Easy, cheap, no side effects. Right. Or positive side effects. Yeah. But the third thing is, and this is in, a, uh, in, in the child's best interest, is it also helps with your complexion. You know, yeah. you, you, uh, when you're sleeping better, one of the reasons kids have problems with acne and, and uh, pimples is that th- their sleep has been disrupted. And so it also helps with your complexion. So you could just so. tell the teenager, hey, you know what, if you, uh, if you sleep more, it'll, it'll clear things up. It'll help to clear <laughs> things up. And so it is really in their best interest. Right. You know, it's, it's in their self-interest to, uh, to uh, cooperate with you on this one because their complexion is going to be better too. Okay? Right. So there, there are all kinds of, of really good reasons to um, dedicate your part of your summer to teaching your child how to sleep. Now, granted, there are going to be times when they have friends over or they go sure. on camping trips. Or, yeah, that, that's okay. Build in that flexibility. But by and large, Get on a schedule and, and teach your child the importance of, of a good night's sleep, night after night after night after right. night. Okay, right. yeah, so that's think, the first thing you can do. Yeah, and I think that you'll be, I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised at how their mood improves, how their disposition Absolutely. improves, and, and certainly how you know when school returns, how their um, how their learning yeah. will improve. And and if you talk to any parent of a teenager, uh, do you want your teenager after? she's had a really good night's sleep or do you want your teenager after she's only slept for four or five hours? I know what everybody's going to take. Okay. So, uh, try to accomplish that with, in addition to, uh, teaching them how to sleep, the summer is also a very good time to work on our children's nutrition plans. I didn't say diet. I said their nutrition plans, because remember uh, here at PAC Florida, we think of food as fuel. Right. And uh, we want to fuel our bodies with healthy stuff. Right. And so the second thing we want to do is we want to use the summer to teach our children how to eat better. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it before on our other podcast, again, the, the mental breakdown. And with, with our nutrition, with our uh, diet plan, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's always difficult to talk about how we eat without using the word diet and, right. and, and, so when we're talking about diet, we're not talking about a diet like Atkins diet or some program that right. is going to help you lose weight. Right. That's not what right. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about when it comes to diet is what you typically eat. The foods you typically eat. Right. What is your when we say diet, what are the foods you typically eat? Right. Mm-hmm. So the the main issue that seems to be um, occurring is that we just want food fast. Mm-hmm. And when we want food fast, we tend to eat highly we, processed we foods. We know where to find it. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we eat highly processed food. We eat food that is, uh, has very little nutritional value. Mm-hmm. Or if it has nutritional value, it's because it's been added. 
Um, and because the, the actual substance itself really doesn't have little, has little to no nutritional value itself. So, um, so we need to use this time over the summer to make sure that our, we teach our kids how to eat better. I have, that, I have a question for yeah. you. Do you remember a time when there wasn't a microwave oven? Hmm. No. No. <laughs> I love you young guys. There was a time... It's really not our fault that we eat all these processed foods because there was a time when if you wanted to eat, it took a long time yeah. because you had to cook something. I mean, yeah. you either ate it cold yeah. or you had to get a pan, you had to cook. If you wanted to have a dinner, you had to start with cold... I mean, it took a long time. As the, as the pace of life quickened, mm -hmm. Amana... The Amana radar range was the first microwave. Amana came out with the way, man, you could do this like in one minute. You could you could cook a meal like a whole turkey like in a few minutes, you know. Otherwise it took four hours or five hours. Now you could cook a whole meal in like yeah. three minutes. And that seemed like a fabulous solution mm -hmm. to eating but not taking a lot of time to eat. Yeah. Well, in the in the process in the process we had to go to processed foods. Right. Because only processed foods lend themselves to that. Right. So, and I hadn't thought about that before, yeah. but you're right. Quick is processed. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And so that's what we were trading nutrition for speed. Right. Okay. And, and, and you don't remember oh, microwave. No, I don't remember time before microwave. I, I can't think back. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, but, but the, the thing to remember is that you know, with the processed foods, well, you know, we think of processed foods as convenient, they're quick, mm -hmm. they, you know, they allow us to do, do the other things that we need to do. And all of that is fantastic. Really, I, we appreciate yeah. that. Mm -hmm. But when we think about what those processed foods are, right. we really need to say um, food-like substances because they're not really foods. Well, well, Kraft makes something called cheese food. Right. Which isn't cheese. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, when you, there, there was a, there was a little video going through, going around on Facebook <laughs> a, a couple of weeks ago talking about sliced cheese. Right. And they were saying, why does sliced cheese burn? Mm -hmm. Cheese is supposed to melt. Right. It's not supposed to burn. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's just interesting. So it, it's, it's a, um, so we have yeah, to yeah. recognize that many of these foods, many of these processed foods you know, they, they contain preservatives, they include artificial uh, stuffs right. that are included for taste and for right. texture and for uh, color and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that really don't need to be ingested. It's really just there for, um, to increase cells, right. really, is what right. most of it comes down mm -hmm. to, right. you know, because, you know. Well, I think the great story is of white bread, okay, mm -hmm. because here again, bread, bread used to be made from, well, it still is made, sort of made from wheat. Uh -huh. But bread used to be made from whole kernels of wheat. Right. The germ and the husk and the right. hull and the white powder that was inside. And you grind it all up and you turn it into flour. Well, grinding all that up gummed up the machines. Uh -huh. uh, all, the, all that fiber and those, those, right. uh, it messed up the machines. So what, uh, what manufacturers started to do was they would crack those little kernels of wheat open, dump out the powder, throw away the husk, mm -hmm. and just keep the powder. Right. And that became flour. Okay. okay. And that's what we made white bread from. So white bread is white because you got rid of all the husks mm -hmm. and the hulls mm -hmm. and everything because they ruined the machines. Right. But then you had to add 
vitamins and minerals back into the flour because it doesn't right. have any it doesn't have any there are right. no nutrients in the powder the nutrients were all thrown out right so then we had to add them chemically uh to the bread that's why fortified white bread or right right that name exactly mm-hmm. so so when we, when we think of all of that there, there are there are two um there are two main problems aside from the the process stuff there there are two main problems um, with it, with with the with the way that we're currently doing our diet, okay, um, it, which includes processed foods and stuff like that. The the first is uh, I'm going to sound like you when I say this. Um, starting back in the back in the 80s, when we um, when everything started to shift to low fat. Right. Um, and fat-free and all that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were sold this bill of goods that uh, we need to avoid fat. Fat right. is bad because if you eat fat, you're going to get fat and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so everything went to low-fat and fat-free. Well, the problem is, is that fat is flavor. Mm-hmm. So when you eat something that, um, that naturally has uh, some of those, those uh, fatty substances... Mm-hmm. Um, that added the flavor. That was, right. I mean, that, 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 to be honest, that's why bacon is so good, right? Because bacon has that 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 rich fat uh, in it that just right. adds all that texture and flavor. And Emerel, you know, the the great New Orleans mm-hmm. chef Emerel, um, in his programs, always he'll say things like duck fat rules, yeah, or pork fat. Why? Because that's where the flavor is. That's where the flavor mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And so when we went through this process of, of Cutting flavor, mm-hmm. the flavor, oh, yeah. the natural yeah. flavor, the the fat so out of everything. So you remove the fat, you remove the flavor. Right. Okay. And nobody's going to buy anything that doesn't have flavor. Right. So so problem one is we decided that fat is bad. Uh, the, the problem two is to replace the fat, we had it. We had to include something flavor. else with flavor. And what uh, was that? Chemical. Sugar. Oh, okay. Chemical. Oh, sugar. sugar. Yeah. Sugar and salt. Right. Okay. Because we humans like. Uh, our bodies crave sugar because that's gl- uh, glucose. That's right. what most of our cells run off of. And so our body wants sugar. And instead of converting the fat and other things to energy through a process in our body, we're now consuming so much sugar mm-hmm. that our body becomes, um, our body is just attracted to that. That's why, you know, you, you can't just eat one. Uh, piece of candy, we're, we're so tempted to eat just eat the whole bag. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, well, so we have to be careful of that. The great, there's a book called Sugar Blues. Mm-hmm. It was published before you were born. Yeah. And um, in Sugar Blues, they say, you know, nobody sits down to eat six apples, but a lot of people can sit down and eat six pancakes or six donuts. Right. You know, it's easy to eat six donuts. Nobody eats six apples at one sitting, but a lot of people will eat six donuts at one sitting. Right. And it's because of that spike in, in, in that artificial um, added sugar mm-hmm. that, um, that does that, those simple carbohydrates. And while I won't go into the whole biological process here, that, you know, we've all experienced that spike that yeah. you get when you when you consume mm-hmm. a lot of sugar, that spike that you get, you and then the crash that follows. That's right. And, you always get tired after you. Eat. Well, I always got tired after. I, I quit eating donuts because they made me tired. Right. You you get you get tired. Mm-hmm. You get irritable. Um. Your your body. The way that your body. You see, you're making me talk about it anyways. The body responds to those situations um, the way that our body's supposed to. So when we have a lot of sugar in our system, our pancreas releases a lot of insulin mm-hmm. to take care of that, to process the, the sugar. And so when it, there's a lot of sugar, it releases a lot of um, insulin. insulin. And what does and the insulin do? 
it gobbles up, it processes all that sugar, but then you have no sugar in your body, which creates, which means you switch very quickly from a oh, hyperglycemic, okay. uh, too much sugar in your system, to a hypoglycemic condition with too little sugar. And we all have experienced hypoglycemia at time, from time to time, where we get that irritable, yeah. um, cranky, uh, we're a little fidgety. Um, and, and that's sort of our um, evolutionary way to say, we got to get something. Get up and do something. We got to get up and get do something because right. we, need, we need some fuel. We need, mm-hmm. some, um, we need some more sugar. Fuel. And someday, I'm not sure that today is the day to do it, but someday we need to talk to parents about uh, sugar and hyperactivity. Right. Because it's not the sugar that causes hyperactivity, but there's a metabolic process that sugar triggers right. that causes that. We'll talk about that sometime. Yeah, we'll have we to talk. have a podcast and, and talk about that because many parents are under the illusion that sugar makes kids hyperactive and that's really not quite accurate. Right, right. right. Because there was a long time yeah. where, where people were saying that sugar causes yeah, ADHD not, and, mm-hmm. and, and not, no. It, it triggers really. a metabolic response that right. might result in hyperactivity. But exactly. That's another topic for another day. But you're right. right. This insulin spike right. is what kids are doing when they eat non-nutritional foods packed with Right, any kind of sugar. That there, right. and, and again, when we're talking about sugar, we're talking about those simple yeah. carbohydrates, right. white bread, those kinds of things, and and most Breakfast importantly, mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup. Right, you right. gotta man that that is like the poison. It's poison. You it's gotta stay away from that. Right. That there is, um, you know, the way they. I saw a process about how and why they they created high fructose yeah, corn syrup, right. and um, if you saw that, you would never never eat it again. You would never eat it again. Right. Um, so you, you really got to stay away from anything with high fructose corn syrup in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you want to be able to think clearly, uh, you really have to do that. And I, I was talking to somebody about it yesterday, and I gave an example from from my own experience because I, I've cut out um, any added sugar, as much added sugar to things yeah. as I can. Mm-hmm. You, there's some things that you just can't avoid, uh, but I've I've tried to cut out as much of it as I can. And, and one day I was um, I found those cookies. There's these cookies now that are um, it's like a chocolate chip cookie, but it's uh, glucose uh, gluten free, dairy free. Um, it's oh, supposed to be. You gave me one of those. Yeah. So I, I, that baby is sweet. Yeah. Well, I read it Whoa. and it was like okay. What. Well, the, it had some sugar in it, and but I was reading it. And I was like, well, you know what? If if that's really all I'm going to eat for the day, it, it's okay for a little snack and blah blah blah. So I was on my way to do an evaluation at a jail one day of all places, and I had that co- one of those cookies with me, and I, and I ate it. And <laughs> while I was still on the way, all of a sudden my body was going through you went something. Into sugar shock. I had no idea what was happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I looked on the back and I was like, it, it says right here that it's only this many grams of sugar. I don't know what's going on. And then I looked at it said serving size, uh, half a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so I had eaten twice that much sugar and I was like, oh my gosh. But your body, you, you can tell in your body right. that what it's actually doing. As soon as you, as soon as you stay off of sugar mm-hmm. for, um, for enough time for your body to adjust to it, you know, right. and it does take a little bit of time, um, when you reintroduce sugar, man, you can it's, feel a, it. it's a shock. Right, your, right. Body, your body says, what are you doing to me? <laughs> what um, is this? <laughs> but that cookie was sweet because you gave me one of those. It was. That's why, that's why I gave kids, it to you. Even the kids said, wow, this is really sweet. <laughs> that's why I gave because it to you. Because they have to make up with sugar. Right. I mean, to, to add the flavor when they take everything else right. out. 
and yeah. you add more sugar. Yeah. And yeah, that was a that was a sweet little morsel. That, yeah. That, so, even I couldn't finish that. So one. I'm not buying those anymore. No. But um, but so so sugar is one big thing that it, right. the best that you can, you know, you want to start cutting back over the summer. Right. Anything that highly processed and cereals. Breakfast cereals, right. highly processed. Okay, um, anything with sugar, anything right. you know, and some white of this, flour, white bread, and some of the cereals are getting better. Cheerios, yeah. for example, is right. now gluten they're free, to, and they're yeah. and they're it's all whole grain and everything. Right. Those are getting better, but um, but yeah, you just just be mindful about mm-hmm. those things. Uh, e- even you know you can buy healthy snacks for your kids yeah. that they'll Today that, it's that so they'll much eat. Easier, you know. um, but you know you, you just want to cut down. Uh, again, the first thing here is is sugar. You want to cut down on sugar as much as you can. I wouldn't worry about fat as much. Right. Um, don't Fat's don't worry about problem. fat content because no. um, you know certainly you don't want the saturated fats and that kind right. of stuff. You want to minimize those things. But um, but but cutting back the sugar right. is critical. The other thing is is you you need to know um, you need to know what's best suited for your body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we published this book called the Elimination Diet mm-hmm. Manual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a Kindle ebook right now. Uh, oh, and it's on Nook now also. But it, it's we we sell it for like ninety nine cents just because right. we really just want the people everybody to be able to get it. Um, but over a thirty eight day uh, span, it, it walks you through a process mm-hmm. of taking things out of your diet, right. um, out of the your your typical daily routine, and helps you look at how your body responds to those things. Right. So there, there are certain foods. Um, our body, we, we've talked before, again, this was in our Mental Breakdown podcast. We, we talked before about uh, stress. Uh, stress is a physiological response. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that happens inside your body. Uh, and your body doesn't really differentiate stress from psychological stress, emotional stress, uh, stress from a knee fracture um, or anything else. Your stress to your body, your body responds the same way. Right. And there are foods that we're sensitive to mm-hmm. that creates right. stress in our body. Right. Right. And we don't we don't necessarily know it. Um, well, I think that in some ways we intuitively know it because we've we all have those foods that we love to eat, even though we know that we kind of feel lousy a little bit afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Oftentimes, those foods contain something, either it's the food itself or something inside the food, that lends to those uh, that, that negative feeling. Yes. Right. And so we need to uh, adjust our diet to respond to how our body manages food. And so one of the things is that through the elimination diet, it kind of works to cut out the seven big culprits, the seven, uh, we call them the seven, seven usual suspects right. um, that oftentimes causes this stress responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, other people who talk about this refer to it, refer, refer to them as uh, inflammation agents. Right. Uh, right. They create some inflammation that create that, that stress mm-hmm. response. And some of those include like gluten, uh, dairy, eggs, nuts, um, uh, corn, uh, soy, some of those uh, additives, and all these additives and preservatives and things like that. And so what that elimination diet will do is take all of those things out of your diet, teaches you how to do that, and then pr- helps walk you through the process of reintroducing right. those things one at a time right. so out. that you can mm-hmm. see what 
Right. What works and what doesn't work. And the and what we're saying to and it, so we we have this book. All you have to do is follow the book. Just, yeah, just page after page. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Um, but what we're asking you to consider is use the summer. Right. Now that the kids aren't in school and schedules are a little better, use the summer to accomplish these nutritional goals. And, and you, you have know, more to, control. To re- that's right. You, you don't have to rush out of the house in the morning. You don't have to worry about packing lunches. You don't have to worry about rushing through dinner. So you have the time during these summer months to um, take the time to eliminate what's bad in their diets. You know, if, if parents dedicated their summer just to reducing the amount of sugar in their kid's diet. Right. What an enormous benefit that would be right. for the entire family. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do it. You don't have to eliminate sugar tomorrow. Right. But you can gradually reduce it over an eight or nine or ten week period. It takes some getting used to uh, drinking beverages that aren't sweet. You know, once you've developed a taste for Coca-Cola, there is no substitute. Right. I mean, and so it takes a little while to get off that. But you'll find that as you reduce the amount of sugar, kids are going to start avoiding, they're going to find them to be too sweet. Right. You know, when you go to Europe and you eat dessert, it doesn't have near the amount of sugar that American desserts have. Right. But if you're there for a few days, you get used to it. Then you come back to this country and you eat an Oreo and it sends your teeth on edge because right. it's, it's just too sweet. Right. Okay? So use these summer months to introduce healthy nutritional foods that do act as fuel and to, at the same time, reduce those things that are causing trouble in the American diet. Right. And in that Elimination Diet Manual, we yeah. we offer you some advice in how to get rid of sugar. Right. Um, right. Some strategies that are very easy to follow mm-hmm. that, that have a high success rate in cutting most right. of the sugar added sugar right. out of your system so, out of your diet yeah for full disclosure yes we have a book but it's 99 cents right you know, it's 99 um, cents and so it's it's an easy inexpensive uh, yeah. way to uh, begin to introduce healthy foods into your family's diet yeah and i'll, I'll include a link to the yeah. uh, kindle book on uh in the show notes if right. anyone's interested so so as you face this summer as you get ready for this summer it, while you're planning your vacations, also plan uh, how you're going to teach your kids how to sleep and also how you're going to improve uh, nutrition, um, what you're going to do about the foods that they eat this summer, to use the summer to do those two things. And this is something you should do not to your children. You should do these things with your children. Sit down with them and talk to them about these things. Educate them about the value of sleep. Educate them about the value of good nutrition. Absolutely. Uh, food as fuel. Um, and, and kids will recognize yeah. when they feel better from it. That's right. They'll and, start to feel better. And, and then when mm-hmm. they eat something that they shouldn't eat and they feel lousy, they, they will that'll be a natural process that they will that they will learn. It'll, they'll they'll get their own motivation to right. continue doing it because they're going to feel better. Their complexion will get better. Their mood will get better. Uh, they'll just feel better about things, and they're going to have a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. And the one the third thing you can do over the course of the summer is to get the entire family. Um, but especially the children, on a regular exercise program. Got to get moving. Okay. Our bodies um, were meant to move. Yeah. Uh, the way our bodies are built, the way our joints work, um, everything about us uh, w- is meant to move. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, why, why were we not aware of our grandparents having arthritis? Well, because most of them, yeah. unless it was congenital, didn't get arthritis because they moved. They were active all of their lives, yeah. and they they continued to rejuvenate their joints through um, physical labor. And my right. grandparents lived into their 80s and 90s. I don't ever remember any of them complaining about joint pain. Right. You know, they, they just, but they were hard physical labor. I mean, I had one grandfather 
who worked in construction into his 80s. I had another one who worked in a steel mill. He would walk to the steel mill, right. you know, one, a couple of miles, work all day, and then walk home. And when he retired, he had a you know an acre of a garden that he tended uh, twelve months a year. Yeah. And so they remained active all of their lives. Yeah. Right? My my great grandfather lived into his early to mid nineties. Right. And you know you he was heard. he was up at the crack of dawn and he was out the door and gone and right. he was uh, Got walking, dressed. going, driving, right. um, and and everyone in town knew him because he was <laughs> he was big daddy is what we everybody right. we called him. But and, he could still tie his own shoes, yeah. and he could, you know, he could bend over and do things mm-hmm. because he bent over all of his life. He, yeah. he didn't sit in a chair, and you know, he didn't have teeth, but he could he bend didn't. over and tie his shoes. He didn't need his teeth to tie his shoes. <laughs> oh, big daddy! Uh, but yeah, that's. But you're absolutely right. It, it, they di- we didn't have those problems because we moved. People moved. We right. walked. We didn't drive. We, we have too much of a sedentary life now. Right, and so. Um, but what we want to talk about with exercise is that a healthy body is a healthy mind right. and a healthy brain. We, with nutrition, we talk about the gut-brain connection. Right. Okay. With exercise, we talk about the body-brain connection. Right. Okay? You have to have a healthy body. You can't just, well, you can. I guess Stephen Hawking, um, but, right. but that's a different issue. Okay? Right. Uh, for most of us, um, you have to move, you have to be physical in order to have clear, efficient mental functions. Right. Okay. Yeah. The, the, um, we were talking about, um, you know, how, how our, how our family members moved and, and how they kept going. We, we have such a sedentary life now and, and there's research of course is, is right. focusing on that and trying to pay attention to that. And, you know, when when we think about exercise, we always think about well, it's good for our heart. You know, that's where everybody talks. Well, what they're finding in research is what's good for your heart is good for your brain. Your brain, right? Um, and, and now, if we look at this pattern, sleep helps your brain. Okay, um, diet helps your stomach, which helps your brain. Right. Exercise helps your heart, which helps your brain. Right. So all of these pieces. All of these lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. um, sure, they affect other parts of our body as well. But one of the primary areas that are focused, uh, have focused improvement, mm-hmm. is in our brain. Right. And right. that's that's what we want. We want our brain to function better, right. so that we can learn and remember and understand and um, think. Right. Uh, which is a and it's subject. and it's not just the cognitive effects of exercise; it's also the emotional effects of exercise. Right. We hear about kids with ADHD. We hear about kids with anxiety. We hear about kids with depression. Those are all real things that happen to us. And one of the one of the most effective treatments for anxiety, for ADHD, for depression in young in youngsters and adults right. is exercise. Right. Um, there's a wonderful book called Spark. It was written by um, John Ratty, R-A-T-E-Y. And you may have heard of another book that he wrote called Driven to Distraction, mm-hmm. you know, that became popular. And what they're saying in these books is um, these disorders, these emotional disorders that are affecting children, such as anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, one of the most effective treatments is exercise, right. aerobic exercise. Get the oxygen going to your brain, 
and let your brain do what it does. But the only way you can activate those brain circuits is through exercise. Right. So if you're in any way, if your child is struggling with any of these things, anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, the most important thing you can do for your child is exercise. Yeah. And the most important preventive measure you can take so that you guard against these emotional difficulties is exercise. Right. So often uh, we have parents who come in and say, well, my child's, you know, my daughter's depressed. Um, but there's no exercise. She's not exercising. Right. And so, yes, we can prescribe medication. We can say, yes, you can continue living the life you're living and you can take this medication and it may or may not help you feel better. But the reason I mentioned um, John Ratty's book, Spark, is because throughout his book, he mentioned study after study after study of mm -hmm. children and adults um, for example, in 1999, there was a study called SMILE, S-M-I-L-E, mm -hmm. which is SMILE stands for Standard Medical Intervention versus Long-Term Exercise. So oh. S-M-I-L-E, Standard Medical Intervention. I like SMILE better than the other name. Versus Long-Term <laughs> Exercise. And the study that was done, uh, they had three groups. They, they did this study in adults. Three groups. One group did aerobic exercise three days mm -hmm. a week. One group took uh, an antidepressant. Right. And one group did a combination mm -hmm. of exercise. All three groups showed significant improvements. Right. And half of each group, regardless of the group you were in, half of each group had complete remission. And only 13% had partial remission. So no matter whether you exercise or take an antidepressant, chances are you're going to have complete remission. Right. Okay. And it's study after study after study, whether it's depression, anxiety, agoraphobia, mm -hmm. ADHD, exercise helped all of them. The other thing that uh, Nick, that uh, he mentions in, the, in his book is an exercise program that they've instituted, I think in, I can't remember, I think maybe Chicago. Um, what they did is they went into a school and they instituted an aerobic a running program right. uh, prior, oh, yeah. to, prior to the start of the school day. Yeah, so yeah. the kids had to come in early, and they did this exercise program, and they went to school. Yeah, this was an awesome study. Right. Without anything else, their reading scores went up. Right. Okay. They didn't, nothing else changed. Nothing else. They went, they, all they did was they went to school early and did this exercise program. Yeah. Their reading scores went up, yeah. which stunned everybody because, yeah. you know, I, well, that's that mind brain body brain connection yeah. that if you exercise not only are you going to guard against and help treat emotional disorders but you're also you're also going to read better yeah you're going to think better why are you reading better because you're thinking better why right. are you thinking better because you're exchanging those uh, that oxygen exchange where you're getting blood exactly. oxygen rich blood to your brain which is what your brain wants yeah you're not going to get better sitting in a chair playing video games right okay there just isn't enough air, there isn't enough oxygen, new clean oxygen getting to your brain. Right, okay? right. And so in addition to sleep, in addition to nutrition, we cannot overstate the importance of aerobic exercise um, for uh, children in of school age. Right. Okay? You just can't underestimate its value. Yeah, th th there's, a, there's so many things that just a little bit of exercise can do for you. Huh. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of exercise. It, it doesn't take much. And whether you do it 
whether you exercise alone mm-hmm. um, or you, you have your kid, you know, send them around the block. You know, it, it's it's going to be okay. And the, send and them around the block for a walk or to ride right. their bike or, or something. Uh, just send them around a couple of times. Right. You know, again, that that uh, enough just to get the heart rate up a little bit, That's right. just to get them breathing mm-hmm. um, um, heavily, just a little bit. It, it doesn't have to be strenuous. It just right. has to be. That's right. It just has to be enough to get the heart rate up. Yeah, this doesn't have to be military type discipline. Right. Okay, this is not the Bataan Death March. These are, these are three things: sleep, nutrition, and exercise. You can have fun with your kids doing these things. Right. You, you can you can spend the summer reconnecting with your kids you can do these things together the whole family can do all three mm-hmm. okay um and 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 if you want if you really want to help your kids in the next school year spend the summer doing these three things right get 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 a good schedule right. of these three things and you're going to get better results next school year without what, tutoring without anything academic do these three things we assure you that things are going to go better next year right and one, one last thing i'm going to add about exercise is that i, I posted on our blog the other day at thementalbreakdown.com, I posted on our blog a, a bit of a uh, study that was published by uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, oh, yeah, JAMA, yeah, right. uh, their internal medicine uh, journal, where they talked about the fact that uh, leisure exercise, leisure activity, mm-hmm. they, they didn't define what it means, which, which means that just any leisure activity, anything right. that you do mm-hmm. outside of your typical daily work uh, regimen. Right. Um, any additional a- activity that you engage in mm-hmm. reduce significantly reduces the risk of of thirteen different t- forms cancer. of cancer. Oh, okay. Um, you, you can go to the blog and you can read more about that. But mm-hmm. it, you know, it didn't say they they didn't specify that it had to be thirty minutes a day. It didn't specify that it had to be right. you know five days a week. Nothing. All it said was people who engaged in leisurely active uh, activities um, reduced their had a lower, significantly right. lower risk of right. different forms of cancer. Right. And, and and forms of cancer that you don't even think about, like mm-hmm. esophageal cancer. Right. Now I can understand lung cancer okay. because that was on the list, but esophageal cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's amazing how our body. Um, our bodies are made to move, mm-hmm. and, right. and so the, our bodies function better when we move. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we eat better, when we move better, when we, uh, when we sleep better, all of these things make our body work better. Um, speaking of movement, um, one of the things that Ratty mentions in the book is that uh, we do uh, studies of stress right. in, in rats. Okay, mm-hmm. we use rats as the subjects. Right. And how do they induce stress in rats? One of the ways that you can make a right. rat stressed is to immobilize it. Right. Put it in a place where it can't move. Reduce its yeah. <laughs> and that creates stress. So think of what we're saying. If you want to stress an organism, a rat or a child, immobilize it. Right. And what are kids doing when they're sitting there watching TV and put they're immobile? Right. Okay. You're almost creating stress. Okay. Right. What's the antidote? What's the treatment? Have them move more. Yeah. Okay. Can't stress it enough. Yeah. You I love the idea move. that some of the schools are giving kids those oh. um, yoga balls to yeah. sit on at their desk just so they can bounce a little bit and move a little bit. Right. It helps with core. Oh, there's right. so many uh, physiological and, benefits. It's amazing. And so many times we've talked about do away with recess and do away with PE and do away with all. No, 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 no. Get them all back because they have to 
move. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff, great stuff. So, all right, so over the summer, you know, while you're due, um, do some reading, do some math with your kids. Of course, you know, right. get them to write. Oh my gosh, writing mm-hmm. is such a, a, a valuable tool, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to be able to put your thoughts on paper. Oh my gosh, it's unstructured. You know, I, I know that all the schools talk about, well, you have to have this many sentences and you have to have this, you know, it has to have an introduction, three body sentences, and then a, a, con, a, a conclusion sentence. I, you know, that kind of structure is, is great if you have to pass the test, I guess. But um, just have them write, free-flowing writing, you know, get them to get their ideas down on paper. Um, it could be fun. You know, uh, make it make it an activity that the family does together. So, right. um, so read with them, uh, write with them, do math with them. Um, but then these other lifestyle things, and this these these are important for the whole family. Uh, uh, exercise, good sleep hygiene, uh, good diet, good good healthy nutrition. Uh, all of these are, are are really important things that you can do over the summer. Um, doesn't have to be a Perfect stressful time. thing. Yep. It doesn't have to be a no. um, oh my gosh, it's ten o'clock. We got to do no. you know we have to do this or we have to do that. It can be free flowing. It can be, um, wouldn't it be relatively wonderful? unstructured. Wouldn't it be wonderful for parents to get up in the morning and just say, okay, when are we going to do our bike ride today? And the kids say, yeah. How about this afternoon. You say, okay, that sounds like fun. Right. What a great what a great thing to do for your children and with your children and for yourself. Yeah. And right. Yeah, because all of these benefits that they have for kids right. has for us too. Right. Um, right. We should all be reading. Mm-hmm. We should all be doing math. Sustain silent reading. Yeah, right. Summer sustain silent reading. That's, that's, you know the smart. the um, uh, there's a lot to be said about adults who who do you know occasionally do math problems mm-hmm. uh, because it creates a situ a, a, a you know it's the use it or lose it uh, situation. Um, you need to exercise your brain that way. You know, oftentimes we get into these ruts where we think about the same things and kind of do the same cognitive processes every day. You know, introduce some of that math um, for yourself as well. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, I got to do this really difficult algebra problem. Uh, the other night I was trying, I was helping my daughter with some college algebra and, um, whoo, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a You're while. You're getting too old to do that. No, I got it. I, I, I Oh, man, forget about it. Okay. I got it. So, I mean, the internet helped me, but I got oh, <laughs> Cheater. Cheater. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Con Academy. Cheat. Went to so, Con Academy. That's right. You know what? But that's a great, that's a great resource, Con Academy. Why does... Um, so, all right. Anything else no, about what, any of that? You were pointing to um, something earlier. So, what um, did you point oh, to? We, what does that we say? had some listeners on um, on Mixler today, so it was great because oh, okay. uh, we, we, this is such an early in the morning recording right. that we do, um, mm-hmm. and we had a couple of listeners. So we re- we appreciate you guys for listening uh, this morning. That was great, um, and we encourage anybody shout, else. I have a shout out. What's a shout out? What do they mean by shout out? Well, let me let me see what you do, and then I'll let you know if it's well, a no, shout out or the, not. The, the spring football games. Oh, that's yeah. not a shout out. That's just an announcement. Oh no, well they they already occurred. Oh. Okay, but uh, just wanted to t- tell AJ. Oh, he, now that's a shout out. Okay, AJ hurt his shoulder last night. Oh. Okay, so AJ, if you're listening to this or AJ's friends listening to this, I hope uh, everything turned out okay. Oh. Okay. I hope so. Yeah. Man, goodness. All right. Um, all right. So uh, just a couple of announcements. 
Um, the first is, of course, we talked about the elimination diet manual already. Um, I'll have the, the link in the show notes so that if any of you are interested in checking it out, again, 99 cents, and plus there's some supplemental material on our website. Uh, the, the link will be in the, um, when you get the ebook, uh, there'll be a link in there that you can go to and you can get some additional materials that will help you uh, right. go through that process. Let us know how it's working. Email mm -hmm. us, you know, message us on Facebook yep. or something. Let us know how it's working. If you have any questions about it, uh, let us know. And yeah, that's we true. Will... We're going to be here all summer. So oh, yeah. if you have questions yeah. or you want to fine-tune things, just give us a call. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about a couple of workshops and stuff mm -hmm. over the summer, and, and I'm sure that uh, we will do one on some of these things, with whether it's right. the diet um, some of these lifestyle things because we need to we need to get out there and talk more about that stuff. So so check that out. Um, that'll be in the show notes. Also, um, our other book is out now: the uh, Handbook for Raising an Emotionally Healthy Child, Part One um, on Behavior Management is out. Uh, it is also on Kindle and on Nook. You can I'll put the show put uh, a link to it on the show notes as well. Um, but that book is uh, we're really excited and proud excited of that book. That. It's yeah. Uh, we a think that stuff. a lot of parents, a lot of teachers, right. uh, will find it very beneficial, and uh, it includes. Uh, it, we we kind of create a background, talk about the background of what behavior management is, and mm -hmm. some of the strengths and limitations of our uh, most families, most adults' current perspective as it relates to behavior management, and, and then we go through developmental stages from birth through adolescence, talking about. Um, what is typical and atypical behavior at different stages, mm -hmm. and how to how to respond to it, how to manage yeah. it? What um, thing, what things you should respond to, and what things you can probably let go and right. not not worry too much about? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to when you buy the book, in the book there's another a link to another webpage mm -hmm. that has resources, um, supplemental resources. And I think right now we have about mm -hmm. 13 or 14 posted. Mm -hmm. We have five or seven more that we'll be posting up pretty soon. And those are free additional resources that you get when you get the book. Um, we're going to continue to add more. Uh, there are different activities, just different uh, tools that you can use at home, um, more uh, in-depth information about some of the concepts and principles and perspectives and stuff we presented in the book. Uh, but all of that is additional uh, that you get for free just for getting the book. Um, and again, we're going to be adding more because we have mm -hmm. two more sections of this uh, right. this series to, to publish. This part two will be coming out um, and part three will be coming out. Both of them the will summer. be coming out over the summer. Right. Uh, the second part is uh, called Attention. Part mm -hmm. two, uh, Attention is all about parent-child interactions. And then part three is Love, which focuses on parent-child relationships. Right. So uh, th those are the three components of healthy parenting, uh, behavior management, attention, and love. And so... Right. Uh, that will be out soon. And all of those supplemental resources for all three sections are going to go up on the same site. So when you get the book, you're going to have uh, uh, this added resource that's going to be continually added to. So uh, lots of stuff uh, coming there. Um, anything else? Uh, we're going to have some more workshops and stuff. We'll be workshops announcing those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so follow us on Facebook. Um, and on Twitter, at uh, Dr. Bernie is the uh, Twitter handle. On uh, Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash, um, well, the links are in the, in the show notes, so I don't have to remember what all those uh, pages are. Um, if you have an opportunity, follow us, and, and you're following us on iTunes, please write us a review or rate us right. so that other people can mm -hmm. and follow us. It just increases the um, awareness. It kind of 
puts us out there so more people can can find us and right. and and join in on the conversation uh, with as it relates to all of these important topics. <sighs> We're also on Google Play Music. Good grief. There's always so many more things to talk about. So, um, but I think that's it. I think that's all I have for today. So, um, all right. So, until next week, I'm Dr. Bernie. I'm Dr. Richard. Have a terrific week. Enjoy the last few days of the school year Mm -hmm. and prepare for the summer. Here it comes. Have a great weekend. Ready or not. Bye bye.